white look all extra white hey <laughs> all right welcome and welcome back to uncomfortable conversations you know what today is it is thursday here on vegas hype media and that means we're about to have a serious uncomfortable conversation i have an awesome guest for you guys today first i'm gonna let you know it is april so welcome to this new month this is the first time that i'm seeing you here and this a opportunity for us to have a new outlook on our conversation and on life in general. We don't have to wait for a new year. It's a new month. Let's get it right, right? Um, also, April is National Poet Month. Poetry. Poetry Month. Poetry Month. So we are celebrating poetry, poets and poetry this month, and I have an awesome poet for you today. Um, so just remember with uncomfortable conversations, it is about being very vulnerable and transparent and allowing our guests their grace to share their story with us and having some form of an emergence from that conversation. So I'm going to introduce to you our guest who is a poet, amazing poet, journalist, author, and local here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Their name is Maximum. Maxim. Maxim Ely. Welcome. Hey. Thanks awesome. for having me. I'm Thank excited. you for being here. I'm super excited to have you here. So um, before we go into any questions or anything, there is a poem that they wrote that I want to open up this particular session with. So I'm going to give Maximum the floor. All right, cool. Here we um, go. <clears throat> so the title to this poem is also a haiku. Um Funny enough, I wrote it when I was a security guard. Uh, fuck 12 forever, even when I put on this ugly-ass uniform. 2003, I'm on my way home from work. I see the reflection of the police lights on the sign ahead, the blue and red, red reflecting off its white with the backdrop of knife is, night is a metaphor for my blackness in this country. I was trained to police myself so they won't kill me. I was trained to be respectful. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. I was trained to keep my head up. But what good is keeping your head up if you keep stumbling over your own feet? What good are your feet if you can't see them? What good is living if you are invisible to yourself? What good is respect for others when you don't respect your own existence? What good is knowing to run from the fuzz when your family's 5-0? What good is understanding to peace out from the police when your partner's the pig? Does leaving 12 in the dust even matter if you've never crossed the thin blue line yourself? My arrest record is long, 1998 to 2003, numerous counts of showing emotion. The arresting officer always says, quit crying, masculinity so fragile it snaps in the face of all this softness. 2000, one count of complimenting the homie on his look. The arresting officer asks if I'm gay for him, as if my sexuality can belong to anyone but me. 1995, one count of being a, quote, Pussy, the arresting officer, my first girlfriend, wants to, wants to fight me because I, a whole ass 10-year-old, don't want sex. I tell my cousin and he asks if I'm scared of pussy. I don't answer because I know I am scared of myself. 2010, one count of flirting with a gay man for free drinks, one count of seeing the beauty in a stud and wanting her to be your girl daddy. The arresting officers will never let you live any of this down in a life sentence. 2012 to 2019, multiple counts of being an effeminate man. The arresting officer asks, do you have anything to tell me, honey? I had so much to tell her. 
but I hadn't even told myself yet. 2008, one count of finding trans women attractive. I am the arresting officer. I put myself so deep in jail I don't even realize it's a closet, never attempting to question the warden that I have become. 2019, one count of coming out to my therapist as non-binary and pansexual. The arresting officer laughs in my face and calls me a, quote, gone nigga. I, I realize the closet is a safer space than therapy. Masculinity is a law I never wrote, a law I learned to police myself within. My masculinity is so confining if I failed to arrest my emotional development. My family and friends would do it for me. My masculinity is a prison patriarchy purposed for me to have power over people not procreated with a penis. Power whose purpose is only to provide pain. Masculinity so fragile the world is a funhouse full of bleeding mirror, full of broken mirrors, bleeding women and femmes. My masculinity so fragile I didn't meet myself until it broke me open trying to maintain it. Hi, my name's Maxim. It is so nice to meet you, Maxim. <laughs> that is a lot to unpack. Girl. Right? So, <laughs> so much to unpack. And I imagine that that comes from a place that's very personal, near and dear to who you are. Yeah. Um, so before we go into the intimate part of the conversation, would you mind sharing with the butterflies here mm. exactly what is the makeup of you okay uh um in terms of the obvious thing that everybody wants to see like very clearly i'm obviously black no (laughs) (laughs) yes um not so uh i i identify as uh non-binary um well agender which is under non-binary is an umbrella term that covers Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff uh but specifically agender gender fluid any of those is fine um the way I explain it to people, specifically people that aren't Christian, and for Christian folks, this is going to be a little uncomfortable to hear, but, like, I'm not going to eat your lunch on what you believe. you allowed to believe whatever you want to believe, boo-boo. Um, but if white supremacy didn't steal everything from us, including the religions, um, and burn down the libraries of Alexandria 60 years before uh, okay. Christianity was made law of the land in Europe, uh, all across Europe— um, getting rid of the evidence, we would see very clearly that Christianity's plagiarized off of a bunch of African religions. And like, there's a small library of academic studies on this. And I firmly believe if that stuff didn't happen, I probably would have been something closer to what the indigenous Americans call a two spirit. A two spirit. Yeah. And what exactly is a two spirit so, uh, for those of I'm us not, that don't know? Yeah. I, I, I am not a uh, indigenous. So like, Google well, is better for, than for me, you, but just is, like, um, based on what I know, a two spirit is, uh, and I'm probably going to be way wrong about this. Just, uh, just give us like, your version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from what I, my understanding is a two spirit is somebody that has both spirits in the same body and they get to perform gender both ways, however they want okay. to. So when um, you say spirit, you're referencing gender. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying like in terms male. of my gender being that way. Okay. Um, and yeah, uh, <clears throat> but for me, like I don't. I don't really think about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I look cool as hell with lipstick on. So I put right. on lipstick. Right. Sneakers. And that's your color. Right. Girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is okay. my color and that's your color. <laughs> look, when I first came out, it was a uh, black lipstick, black nail polish, black eyeliner, a black hoodie, black paint. I was basically okay. a goth hood, so, nigga. I was going to say, is, <laughs> is that goth? Yeah. Okay. Uh, very much. That very falls much. under that. So would you say um, that poem for me, mm-hmm. it, it resonated in the sense of, 
trying to figure out your identity as mm. it relates to masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. How give me one thing that you feel like characterize the difference or define the defining line between femininity and masculinity, because what I heard was very blurred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very blurred with me. Um, it's always been very very blurred. I've always been this way. That's the thing. Um, the aesthetic matches now, mm -hmm. but like I was married for darn near ten years. Um, got three kids out of the marriage and everything, and I was the wife in that marriage in terms of how both of us performed gender. She worked. I okay. stayed at home I'm with the pause. kids. One one second. So you were married mm -hmm. ten years, almost two, yeah. almost ten years to a woman, mm -hmm. and. You have biological children that you guys mm -hmm. consummated together, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And here you are now. Mm -hmm. And like the the first time I wore a skirt around my kids, my kids are my biggest supporters. Let me tell you that right now. Awesome. And like, how old are your children? Yeah, uh, my uh, baby um, is five. Okay. My middle is six. He turns seven real soon. Uh -huh. Um, actually, uh, and then my uh, seven, and then my oldest is eight. Cool. Do you worry about the way that they perceive you and if it's no. going to make The first time I wore a skirt around them, they literally did ring around the rosy around me. They was like, Daddy got a skirt on. Daddy got a skirt on. Daddy got a skirt on. <laughs> then, then Ashton was two, the baby. He was two. So he going to run under the skirt talking about, Daddy, I'm in the tent. I'm like, boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a tent with a post in the middle. Anyway. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I digress. We'll go back to that. But um, what was your wife's response? Honestly, you were my, still married at this time. No, is no, that no. Um, I, no. I, I came out while we were in the process of going through the divorce. Um, and she was, no, she's totally fine with it. Like, she would, we, she, we, we talked about it and she was like, if you'd have came out while we were still married, I'd have stayed married to you. That's awesome. Yeah. Because that was getting ready to be my next question. Like, did you come out like out of spite nah, during, nah, during this the This is hundred percent about hundred percent about me. Like let's, since we talk about masculinity anyways, uh, since I'm clearly one of the people that looks like, Hey, this is what healthy masculinity looks like. It gets held up. Uh, I ain't, I just got here, brother. I was right. very much toxic masculinity Negro in that marriage. Let's and keep it explain 100. what toxic masculinity is. I know we hear it a uh, lot. Yeah, it's, a, out, it's a buzzword. But, it's a buzzword. Yeah. But, um, in, in my particular case, um, remember the first episode of insecure? Mm, I do, but I don't. Okay, basically, dude was in the house all the time, depressed as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah, wanted okay. to go out and have a life and do that. Yeah, that was me. That, that was, was me in the marriage. That was straight up. And a lot of that, and I want to be, I want to be very, um, what's the word? I want to be very tender with black men specifically in this, when we're talking, having this conversation about masculinity, because like, black men are very, very traumatized. Mm -hmm. And the way masculinity is set up, you're supposed to be a man. You ain't got no emotions. Right. You ain't supposed to have no emotions. You allowed to be angry. You allowed to laugh. That's it. Right. So you can't you know what cry. I mean? you, you, psh, me, Tears. My, like, thankfully, my uh, my dad and my uncle, my uncle Ray, uh, both of them, like, cried in front of me all the time. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, so would you attribute that to why it's you're in a space where you feel like you can I, I, be okay mm -hmm. to be who you are because you nah, it's, were it's, shown that type nah, of it's, vulnerability? It's, it's, it's I mean, yes, that helps. My upbringing helps a lot. Uh, but also, I think a, a lot of my energy is 
like I read a lot of philosophy in my spare time and I very much am a big fan of Albert Camus, despite the fact that dude is a whole colonizer and all lives matter. Like that, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to digress into some other stuff. I'm not even going to go there, but he was Thank terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but the, I'm very interested in the idea of the absurdist hero that he created. He talked about Sisyphus being happy, pushing the boulder up the hill. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like the idea is like Sisyphus is really sad. He should be really sad because this is punishment. You're going to push a boulder up a hill for eternity and then the boulder is just going to fall down. But what Camus says uh, the absurdist hero does is he's happy anyways. You're choosing happiness. You understand what I'm saying? Like I I live in a world where half the countries, it's legal to kill me. Right. Straight up. It's legal to kill me. And I'm choosing to be happy happy in spite of that. But let's let's keep it a hundred though. That's not real happiness. It's not. It's spiteful. It is very spiteful. And like I, I, I get... Happiness where I can get it, like true, genuine happiness where I can get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit up here and be sad all day, every day. Yeah. Like people come at me with transphobia all the time. Like I was telling you before, like, okay, that transphobic energy is why I get more hoes than you, my boy. And I'm going <laughs> to laugh at you and, in your face. And when you say you get more hoes, you, uh, can you clarify that for yeah, people? Uh, I, I yes, don't think everybody yes, knows. No, um, I, I, I am very, I am uh, polyamorous. Um, uh, and and that means that you date men, well, well, women. No, no, no. That's or- that's that's my sexuality. Polyamory is my relationship style. Okay. Uh, so omnisexuality is how I am. Um, it omnisexuality is like pansexuality. Pansexuality is any gender, anybody mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You're attracted to everybody. Um, but omnisexuality is that with a preference. My preference is for women in films. Like dudes is cool. I'm, I'm I'm down like I slurp in the gut right now, but also like <laughs> like I'm demisexual. Is anybody with uncomfortable guys. besides me? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, but but no, like um, but my my attraction to men is lower. That's how you go thirty four years and get into marriage and don't realize that you're queer. You right. know what I mean, or that you're trans. So you what's know? what's your favorite type of woman? Since you, uh, you lean more towards women, black women all day, every day. <laughs> black okay. women all the in all varieties that they come in so do you do trans women oh my god i like i i i, I love trans women i have not been with one and i don't want to fetishize them because like they get fetishized so much and it's so sad okay. but but no i'm very much attracted to trans women but even still like because I'm non-binary, it's going to be queer. But like, if I was a dude still, if I still identified as a man, that's a straight relationship. I don't care if she a got a sh- penis or not. That's straight. Yeah. A, a, I, it's a woman. Like I'm attracted to black women. So like a black trans woman, girl, pull up. Okay. Well, <laughs> now like, y'all that's know. The way, y'all, that's the y'all way straight. It. But also here's the other thing. Like, because trans folks get killed all the time because they got tricked because they tricked me. And then the news justifies right. that. Right. But, but like, the thing I need these dudes to, do, to recognize and culture as a, as a whole needs to do to support folks is that's still a straight person. You're a man with a woman. Trans women are women, period. You are still straight. We if did you, just talk about yeah, this last if, month. If you, mess with, if you mess with a trans woman, you, you're still straight, my boy. Like you not. Well, don't feel bad. Now you're not gay. You can do what you want. Mm-hmm. So I'm and just. And she gonna... has a penis, so she's probably going to be better at doing putting her mouth on that than uh than a, a woman, woman would. The same way women are going to be better at going down on women. If it wasn't going to incriminate me, but you know, <laughs> I'm going to carry on. So I want to get back to this poetry though, because I want to be shady so bad right now. <laughs> 
You know, no, only one. It's only room for one person to be shady. That's me. Okay? <laughs> so um, I want to get back to your poetry because that's actually where we met mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. an open mic night. And I just love that particular piece that you just did. And like I said, it just resonated so much mm-hmm. when I think about masculinity mm-hmm. and the struggle, the balance that guys and women both go through with trying to figure out if I'm doing too much, not doing enough, should I do this? Should I not do that? You know, finding that balance. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to go into just asking you about your poetry and because it is really personal and emotional, how do you navigate and balance between um, the vulnerability and the authenticity of what you're writing and not giving too much or answer that first question first. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Cause I'll be the uh, well, question. Here's the thing. Like I don't care. I really don't. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent vulnerable and open and Let honest me, at all times because like, so let's keep it hundred. When you like, say you don't care, does that mean you don't care or you just, I just, love who you are I, I love, and yeah. you're just unapologetic yes, of it. And, I don't like when people use the word, I don't care yeah, because I feel I like, I, I, what, what There's I'm saying, some I don't, negativity yeah, no, to that. Yeah. Uh, the, the I don't care is very much a reflection of like when I, when I do stuff that's queer and I do stuff that's my old stuff um, from when I identified as straight. Okay. Um, I can notice the, the, the audience being less engaged with that. And I have worked really hard through therapy to, um, to very much not care anymore. Like this is me. This is my art. This is what I'm putting out. Right. And if you fuck with it, you fuck with it. If you don't, I'm sorry, boo-boo. There's 8 billion other motherfuckers on this planet. Go fuck with that them. appreciate, <laughs> right. Or other people that appreciate what you're doing as mm-hmm. well. So um, you you don't mind being completely vulnerable in your work? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it started out, so initially poetry... Um, was just the thing I was doing as a hobby to make, to find community out here because I had moved out here. I was married to my ex wife, but I moved out here for her family. I didn't have no Where did family, you move no out community. Here from? Uh, we we met in Reno. We both lived in Reno at the time. She was at the school, and I was working in town. Is I, that where you're from? Nah, originally? nah. I'm from well, everywhere. I was born in New Hampshire, are you raised military? in Dallas. Nah, just fam- parents divorced when I was young, and my dad moved back to Dallas, and my mom lived in New Hampshire. So my dad sides down there, and my mom's, and then my uncle John, who uh, recently passed away, rest in peace. Um, he, uh, I lived with him in Reno. I moved out there with him. Um, and he's very much, uh, like uncle Johnny was that, that one hurt when he, when he, when he left us like that one hurt. Did he get to see you in your full authentic self? Yeah, no, that's, and I'm probably going to cry when I say this, but like, nah, I never, like he saw me in a skirt. We had plans to, um, one day. Because like I, I when I came back to see him for my grandma's funeral, he died six months after that. Um, we had made plans the next time I come back, I was gonna be like full like trans whatever like so skirt he, he whatever knew. dress. Yeah, he knew everything. He was the first. Like, was the, he first the first to knew. Uh, honey, you? honey, Uncle Johnny knew before before you <laughs> before knew. I knew. Yeah, Uncle jo- uh, uh, Uncle Johnny was. Uh, I can't say that. Um, you can't say that. Well, no, he's gone now. So <laughs> oh. I, like, it, it was his choice in life. So I'm like, okay. you know what I mean? Right. Um, but Uncle Johnny knew. Uncle Johnny knew. And he very much looked out for me. And he Did very he much made space. Did he ever tell you before you figured it out? Nope. Never. Not once. He let me figure it out myself. But he knew I was, he knew I was hypersexual. Because, um, like, I lived with him and I always had 
a, a nice little rotation. Now, uh, when you say rotation, are we talking about women people I'm or dating. men? Or just back then, in, I was back then I identified as straight. So yes, it was. So just it women. was just women that yeah. you were smashing. Okay, I just used the word smashing. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> you know. I don't even know where that came from. I just said smashing. Would anyway. you would you would, would you would you prefer clapping cheeks? I mean, the horizontal polka. One of those, but I wasn't <laughs> expecting smashing just come out just now. You know, that was totally mm-hmm. from left. Okay, so do you feel like? I mean, when you were having all of these sexual relations, do you feel like it was something missing, mm. and that may have been the male nah. side or? No, nah. you were totally satisfied. I was totally fine. Was- um, like, so full disclosure, uh, when um, I got my divorce, when we were in the process of getting a divorce, I had another. I've had many uh, suicide attempts. Like, I just don't like it here. I, I, I don't like it on Earth. And a lot of times I don't want to leave. Only reason I'm still Why here is, is my kids. Why is it that you don't like it here on Earth? Um... There's a lot of reasons. There's a. I, I, I want to know about the one that. Okay, the the, the main couple thing. Well, well, no, the 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 suicide attempt was I felt bad because I was a terrible like person in that marriage. I really was. Why? But, what what kind of terrible person were you? Um, incredibly depressed. Incredibly, incredibly. So that depressed. made you like, terrible. Um, yeah, I was incredibly so? depressed. Uh, me and uh, ex-wife used to get into it, like bicker all the time in front of the children, which was not okay. Um, which was the main, main reason for me asking for a divorce because I was like, nah, I'm not happy. You not happy. This ain't a good environment for them, period. Um, do you think some of that came from you not knowing about some of the feelings that you had? Nah, nah, nah. Um, no. Mm-mm. So nah. I, I want to know exactly when did you realize, yeah, you know uh, what? No, so that that's, where that's where I was going. That's where I was going. So okay. like, that's where I was going with the suicide attempt. So, um. Had a suicide attempt during the process of divorce uh, and ended up because I was on military insurance. I was supposed to be on a 72-hour hold in a— Are uh, you prior? No, she's military. She's military. Yeah, I was a military spouse. Okay. Um, So because I had the good military insurance, instead of being on a 72-hour hold, they held me for eight days so they could run the bag up for—you know how this goes. Um, And— while I was in there, like, I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I was journaling every day. I went to them little meetings they had, and, like, I took advantage of the stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and while I was in there, I was just, like, I was writing in one of my journal entries. I was like, nah, I think, I, I think, I think I'm non-binary. I think I might be. Um, and I just kind of waved it off and moved on. And then, So you physically wrote that to yourself yeah, in I've, your I, I, I still I still have the journal entries from the uh, thing. I have it in a safe place in my house. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, no, the, uh, then, like, after I come out of there, like, I still wasn't, like, really accepting it. And <laughs> this is hilarious. My, um, so my ex-wife uh, was swiping on Tinder for me. She and was swiping for you. She was swiping for me. She was like, I don't like this girl. I don't like this girl. You could like, okay, okay, okay. And one of the girls that she swiped right on ended up being uh, somebody that I'm no longer with, but like this was the first person I came out to in a conversation uh, that after we moved off Tinder to like uh, uh, Instagram DMs and like it was just a flow of conversation and I just said, I'm non-binary and whatever. And like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I know that like, I felt so accepted, so seen, so welcomed, so myself. So she for the first time it. in like, she wasn't like turned it, off. She was yeah, she still was amazing. Engaged. And, yeah, and wanted yeah, to yeah, be. yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. We 
<laughs> so, we met up at a hotel at last. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. So um, do you get a lot of straight women or women that claim to be straight? Or, um, yeah. Yeah. I try to stay away from straight women. I really do. Oh, so you don't even like us? I, I, I like. I so like, I'm not your type. I like. I, I will do straight women occasionally, but also like if you're attracted to me because of my lack of a gender, that's not. You know what I mean? You're you're not straight by definition if oh. you're attracted to me. Like, and on top of that, like there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of blind spots. So, like, if I'm in a situation where I'm trying to be vulnerable with somebody and I'm trying to share my body with them, do I want to take on this extra possibility? Nah, not really. Not I'd right. much rather have bisexual women. And besides, I like group stuff. I like group play anyways. Oh. I want bisexual women okay. so we can get everybody together I'm, to have us a time, honey. I'm not their type. <laughs> I'm not their type. So, are you actually dating for longevity or are you just eventually, out here um eventually i would like like one of my poems says uh what is it i'm for i'm not for the streets i'm for the cul-de-sacs gated community baby <laughs> um oh <laughs> the cul-de-sacs yeah gated community um i i want to have uh, ideally i would be at a kitchen table polycule kitchen table poly is when there's a bunch of people dating each other and uh -huh. everybody's cool sitting down at the same kitchen table ain't gonna be no smoke ain't gonna be no problems everybody's just happy to be around each other being community ideally i would live in a kitchen table poly house that's my ideal situation however that is doctorate level polyamory and it is very hard and there are a lot of emotions. Is to that like manage. a real thing? Does that Yeah, it, it, people pull it off, but a lot of times are. it blows up. A lot of time it blows up because folks think that like you just gonna come in here and we gonna be hunky dory and whatever, but like you're talking about a, rela a relationship with five people in it. Relationships already hard with two people. It's most complicated. People think, with people two think people. they're gonna come over to polyamory and it's gonna be easier. No, honey. I did a 10-year marriage with the darn uh with uh, going to therapy and multiple times and this, that, and the did third. Did you guys like, open up the marriage no, at some point in no, time? We did no, not. you you were faithful, faithful. We gonna we gonna we gonna move uh -uh, on. Uh -uh, I'm not gonna put up. I'm not gonna put our business out the street. It's, but yeah. it's your business. Yeah, well, we can put my business out there. I yeah, want to know was, about your uh, business. I was I was out there. I was you, out there. You was out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was out there. That's my. Mm -hmm. okay. But also like I'm, I'm like I was very much lying about about a lot of basic shit in that marriage and that's very much why i'm very honest and upfront even if it like makes me look bad at this point from from this point on like i'm it it really committed no i mean I like i mean now like yeah but uh, i think it's important me. to be honest regardless mm -hmm. what the situation is mm -hmm. despite whose feelings it's gonna hurt i'd yeah. rather hurt your feelings right now or you hurt my feelings right now than have this long drawn out situation where you know everybody's hurting and crying and, and it's too many people just just tell me now just rip the band-aid off mm -hmm. that's that's what i prefer mm -hmm. and i treat people that way at least i think i do mm -hmm. so anyway um i think that's great Juan. oh there were so many other things that I told you. This 30 minutes, it goes by so fast. It goes fast. by so, so quick. So really quick, because we only have two minutes left. Mm -hmm. You covered the riots as a journalist. Yeah. All of them. Uh, well, not all <laughs> of them, of all of them, but Look, quite the a most few. recent ones. Yeah, uh, um, can you tell us your perspective, being your queer self, covering mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. in Atlanta is that correct? Yeah, I was at? I was in Atlanta. Uh, I went to Portland. Um, yeah, I was all over the country. I covered some stuff here back in the day. Um, but 
I'm going to say this since we're talking about it. And like, there's a bunch of stuff on the internet. Everybody, I, I want to say right. this specifically because there's a lot of flack that comes against, um, and I got to say this fast cause we ain't got a lot of time. Right. Um, there's a lot of flack that comes against destruction of property. Number one, let me f very clearly clarify that if you destroy property, you go into jail, period. However, the thing is the way America's set up, we know that folk that these donations is what takes care of and what makes things happen. Mm -hmm. These donations to these politicians. Now, the uh, insurance lobby is one of the biggest ones in the country. When you tear stuff down and you burn stuff up and you cost these insurance companies money, you know what they do? Um, excuse me, politician that I own, give these niggers something now. That's what they oh, do. Yeah. That's playing the game. I'm sorry, but like Mar we didn't get the second Civil Rights Act until six days after Martin Luther King died because they burned a thousand cities. Right. They like that. Now, again, I'm not advocating for this at all. However, it is a very good tactic. And that's why France act in the way they act now. I, I, I wish the American people had a third of the backbone that fr the French have. I wish they did. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think that's about all the time that I have. Mm -hmm. I am going to wrap up. Thank you so much. You mm -hmm. are an awesome poet, journalist, just all-around person to just sit and have a great conversation with. I appreciate you sharing this much of your story. I think that's how much everybody gets to share. Quan right. has been encouraging me to increase the amount of time that I spend here. I'm working on it, but not just yet. I love this. Um, I want to say thank you to my newest subscribers. And ah, I forgot the names, but what's, I'm sorry. I'm trying to unlock my phone really quick. Who do I have? Um, Mel Star, DJ Mel Star and uh, Meditation Instructors, thank you guys so much for following, liking, and subscribing. All of my butterflies, I appreciate you guys. And I want to shout out one really special butterfly that sent me these butterfly earrings. I don't know if you guys can see them, but it's like a whole butterfly wire thingy. And thank I you. love them. Thank you, Miss Wendy, for sending me these. I appreciate it. Love you guys. I will see you next week, next Thursday, same time, same place, Vegas Hype Media. Bye.